Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On one side, it's like trusting your path. Um, of, you know, if you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or you're not as far as you should be, like each experience that you have is going to only add layers to the complexity of what your skill set is, of, of what your story is, of how it prepares you for the next thing and how you start to put the pieces together, especially if you're still in your teens or your 20s. Um, so I think there's that side of it. And then I think as far as finding your voice, like I think you actually just have to use your voice, right? Like, I think you have to be out there having conversations and having, and like, don't be afraid to be wrong. Um, like, as I've been, right? Like, you, if, if you're, as you're finding it, like, it takes missteps and mishaps and, and speaking out and having someone, you know, illuminate you to a different point of view. And like, it, the only way you're not going to find your voice is just by being quiet. And so whether that's, you know, using your talents to entertain, whether that's trying to organize and solve a problem in your own community, um, whether it's running for student government, like there's so many different ways to make an impact on when you identify a problem and you want to do something about it, um, that the, the, the biggest danger is just apathy or insecurity. Um, so you just gotta go for it. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Kristen Bry, and you're going to find out the interesting way that I met her. It's very, very interesting. And it's a way that I encourage you all to meet people and connect across cultures. So stay tuned for that. But what Kristen and I talked about were, you know, multi-layered. You know, we talked about the importance of finding a voice in today's divisive times, the importance of pushing through despite the fear of being wrong. And also we talked about how she you know, designs her one woman show. And I really admire how she uses her charisma and talent to entertain, inform and educate you in a way where you're not, you know, burdened by all the, the woes of the world, but you're also informed of what you need to do in order to become a better person. You know, I'm going to put a link to, in, in the show notes to her show as well as the website. But, you know, she is on the rise. And I always like talking to people who have genuine passions and are just fueled by that. And she's one of those people. So, Certainly give Chris and Bri a chance. Subscribe to her YouTube channel and uh, support in any way. All right. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to both of us on social media. Uh, we're both responsive. So just let us know. You know, reach out to us on Instagram or LinkedIn or Twitter, whatever your, your social media uh, platform of choices. All right. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is Kristen Bry. Now, the way I met Kristen was pretty interesting. I was watching an episode of Patriot Act 
uh, from Samanaj on YouTube. I was just catching some clips and then I had seen her comment and engage in a section and I got intrigued by her profile and I then went on to to, to look up who she was and I saw that she is uh, this amazing uh, person that, progress that promotes progressive politics and social consciousness. And I was like, I've got to reach out to her. So Kristen is a writer, producer, comedian, and uh, apparently she's not shy about hiding the fact that she's a cheesehead. So for those <laughs> for those in North America, anyone that identifies as a cheesehead is typically from Wisconsin. They like the Packers and they probably think Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. But I don't know about that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I would have to agree. <laughs> um, she's originally from Madison, uh, Wisconsin, where she says cheese is both delicious and affordable. Uh, she lives in New York now, but always she tends to be nomadic, so you never know where she's going to be when the episode comes out. Her nonlinear background includes pursuing acting as a teenager in Hollywood, researching women's public health and feminist policy in UC Berkeley, and managing a sales team in Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, rather. She now combines her experiences in entertainment, politics, and business to create content that makes people laugh while also making them think. She, like I said earlier, is someone that promotes progressive politics and uh, social consciousness through digital shorts. We're going to talk about her show. We're going to talk about her motivations and um, how she got to where she is today. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. The pleasure is mine. And I love nonlinear backgrounds because I think we live in a world where people like to make it seem like you do this, you do that, you do that, then you do this, and then you're set. And I don't know that that's the reality of anyone, really. Uh, you know, when people really become one with themselves and they realize what they want, I feel like people have multiple layers to who they are. So I, I'm curious about you when you first had an inkling of what it is that you felt you were good at. Oh, I, you know, it's interesting because I feel like, like the reason why I have pursued so many different things is, uh, you know, everything I ever do, I do wholeheartedly. I, and I think that's the the competitive athletic background and family that I come from. Like we're very type A, we're very competitive. So I think anything that I've ever wanted to do has always been like, I'm going to do it. Like I'm, if I'm going to be an actor, I'm going to go to LA. If I... I'm going to be a student. I'm going to get into the, you know, the best public university. Um, and, and then even when I went to tech, which I really had no interest in, I kind of fell into, you know, it was my job. And so I was going to be the best at my job. And so I think, and then it's just, it comes with like sharp 180s of self-awareness and self-analysis. Like, is this still really what I want? And like, why am I chasing this? And I think it's only now that I stepped away from tech and I really looked at what do I, what do I want to do? And I think the thing that I always have wanted to do, even when I was, was impact people. Um, I think, you know, I think movies and, and entertainment has such strong uh, influence on how people think and it can open up so many worlds. Like you think about how successful like Moonlight was. Um, and it yeah. was a story that I think, you know, in the middle of America and like where I'm from, you know, it's a great story, but it's like, it's, you know, black gay, kid like that's not a story that gets told very often and like how it can open minds and change change minds I think is always so powerful so that was why I wanted to do acting and then you know what I wanted to do uh family planning work was similar similar thing and so tech not so much they think they're changing the world but you know we'll see <laughs> and, um uh, wow. but, but now with what I found now it's like it kind of goes back to that of like how do you how can you even chip away at people's um 
opinions about things or just lack of knowledge and awareness about things without beating them over the head with it. And so I think this is now, and we'll see, but I think for now, like, I really feel like I found what I'm supposed to be doing. So Kristen, your show, Below the Fold, it's a web series that's, it's, it's pretty progressive. It's in the bay, you know, in, in the type of, of vein of the Samantha Bees, the Daily Shows, the Hassan Minaj. You can clearly see the influence there. But I, I like your approach because of something that I always say. I, I say that we live in a, in a world of nuance governed by binary systems. And it seems like mm-hmm. with, your, with your approach, you, you, you know, you're progressive, but you're not making it seem like this caricature or like I'm going to be the loudest person in the voice. You're actually giving information. So what is the motivation behind your show? I think that's, I mean, I, re- I really appreciate that because I do in the world of, especially with YouTubers, um, the clickbaitiness of trying to get views and just trying to get people to, to, to watch it, I think doesn't always allow for nuance, but I think that's the only way you bridge the gap mm. of, people who may not agree with you on everything, but trying to find what actually builds empathy, what builds understanding. And like, you don't always have to agree, but it doesn't mean you can't kind of understand people's points. And I think, I think largely what I recognize, because a lot of the topics that I talk about or the groups that I'm talking about, I'm not a part of, right? Like short of not being a white man, I am from a pretty privileged background. Um, And I think to show that like, you can extend empathy to groups that you're not a part of and like how you can come from it at a point of like, and I try to be really careful with that when I, when I talk about it from and like take ownership over being white, take ownership over coming from a certain class and like how I think about it and how I approach it. Because I think ultimately because of, you know, how your, how your, uh, platform grows, it grows for the people who know you. And most of the people who my audience right now, you know, there are white people, a lot of them are from the Midwest and like not necessarily conservative, but some of them are. And, and then what I found shocking so far is how many of them still like the show. And so I feel like I have been able to tap into something where even if people don't on the surface agree, like they learn something, I make them think about it a little bit differently. And a lot of times, sometimes they actually do like turn like they're like, I never knew that. I never thought of it like that. And that's so for me, that's really the goal. It's like, how do you get people who are in the middle or apathetic or, um, you know, in their spare time of their, everyone's busy lives are not as eager and excited about learning about diversity or different cultures as like someone like you and I are, who are like obsessed with it. Um, how do you still, you know, in under five minutes, get them to care a little bit more or be a little bit more aware. And like that really ultimately is my mission and my goal of, using entertainment to try to like just crack a little bit more at the people who are not obsessed with this kind of world of inclusion and diversity. No, I I love that. And the reason why I love that is because I I do agree with you. I I think apathy is actually a a worse problem than some of the the hate that we have in today's world uh, because of just the fact that it leaves so much on the table, whether it's, yeah. it's people not using their power to, to 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 tell a better story, whether it's with Hollywood or people not using the privilege to create more access and opportunity for people that are actually their neighbors. If you look at how housing is drawn or how schooling is drawn, maybe someone speaking or in a workplace, someone advocating for someone could actually do a world of difference. But all these things where we 
sort of create this insular environments where we, we keep things that are that make us uh, uncomfortable <laughs> outside yep. of, our, of our purview because we don't have to deal with it. That has led to whether it's the climate, the stuff that we have with, with, with what's going on in the world, whether it's the politics and a lot of the social unrest that we have. And a lot of times for, for someone like me who has always been in intersections, people, the thing that I always hear people say is, I didn't know that that was happening. Mm-hmm. That really happened. And that was why the 2016 election for me as an outsider was pretty uh, interesting for me to observe because I think it was one of the few times that I've seen a lot of Americans on both sides say, whoa, <laughs> I didn't think we were this divided. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, is kind of crazy. And I'm curious to, 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 to hear from an American's point of view um, if that 2016, regardless, probably, regardless of your you know, political affiliations, if that 2016 election coupled with what followed, Charlottesville, all the other things, the the the, the Muslim uh, ban and all those things, if that really sparked something in you as an American? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I that was for me, and it sounds cliche because I think it happened to a lot of people. I mean, you, you had record numbers, numbers of women running for any kind of office. Like you had people who were never involved in, who had never been to a march before, marching in Washington for the Women's March. Like there were so many people who were activated after that. And I think for me... You know, I went from, I've always been super left. Like I went to, I mean, growing up in Madison, my my high school was down the street from Madison, Wisconsin University, or University of Wisconsin, Madison University, which is big liberal school. And so, you know, I went to a high school where like we were all feminists at like all my girlfriends were from a very young age, like, and, and just we were super accepting of gay people and like all, like all of it. And so like, mm. I, and then when I studied in college, like I was all, I was super into all of that. And then like slowly in my twenties, like I knew where I stood politically. Like I knew what I believed in, but low, like slowly. And like, I just wasn't volunteering or I wasn't as involved or I wasn't reading as much. Like I kind of got more and more consumed with my career or my dating life or whatever I was doing that like, I knew where I stood, but what was I doing? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think what happened with the election was, how are you spending your time? Like you say you believe in these things, but like put your money where your mouth is and do something. And because there's clearly a lot that needs to be done. Cause I think, and I forgot who actually said this, but there was kind of this like, like I think reality check that everyone thought like, oh, there's someone taking care of it. Like with Obama in the white house, right. there was like this sneaky attack of, what the Koch brothers and this whole conservative, and again, I'm not saying like it's us versus them, but their ideology of putting judges in places, state, like flipping state legislatures, like all these things that were not as visible as the presidency that were like laying the foundation for this to happen. And for me, watching that happen, it was just like a light switch of I always knew that I would leave the private sector to go back to something that I think I thought really mattered. And like, that was the moment where it was like, this is the time to make that switch. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know if I'm going to go work for a nonprofit. I, I didn't know what it was. Um, but I knew that like, I, I couldn't keep going like I had been. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then you, you bring up a great point. It's really just the realization that we all have more power than we have. I think a lot of people get into this habit of thinking every four years, if you're in a four-year system, depending on what country you are, um, that's when you you show up, you, you show your civic duty. But if you asked or polled a lot of people, 
and ask them who the legislator was, who the mayor was, all that, you know, it's 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 hard for people to tell you that unless, you know, totally. if you're from, yeah, unless you're from New York where, you know, the mayor is like a prominent figure. You, you always hear you always hear the name. But, but even um, I mean, New York is like this. Uh, what was it the CDC um, yeah. that just got overturned? Like, I didn't know that until I learned moved here was that that was a whole thing because people, you know, they may for smaller uh, political races like that, whether it's state legislature or assembly or whatever. You know, you part you vote down party lines. But for years, there was these eight Democrats in the state legislature that always voted Republican. So mm-hmm. like and like people just don't know that. Right. And yeah. so the 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 importance of understanding how how powerful your local politics are. Yeah. And ultimately, like we live in a country where states rights are still like, you know, as each state passed gay marriage, as each state's passing new uh, like weed laws, like if you focus on local things, you can actually make a huge, huge difference Absolutely. because of the power. It's just not as, you know, it's just not as in your face from the media coverage. So you don't know as much about it. Yeah, I find that people, a lot of people think that if it's if they're not in the government, they can't do anything. And, and, and that's like a, I don't think that that's a big picture thinking because they think if you're not doing something immediately that you can see the impact, then what's the point? And we get into this apathetic mindset where like, well, I, you look, I don't know what I can do anyway. I mean, they're still going to do what they're going to do. Or, you know, even with the last elections, people that didn't like both candidates said, you know, they're both corrupt. They're both this, they're both that. And, uh, um, as someone who grew up under two dictatorships. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, well, speaking I, of Trevor Noah, actually this, you would love this. Um, yeah. I, I got to see him live yeah. in November and you know, we had, there was a bunch of, I think they were here for like a UN trip or something like a model. I don't know, but it was uh, a bunch of African students. who I think were from Kenya yeah. asked him a question in one of the breaks and was basically, you know, what has been the biggest difference of, you know, witnessing and being a part of like American politics versus African politics. And he's like, well, at least in Africa, you know, they're corrupt. <laughs> like, yeah. and he just like, you know, he's so eloquent, but he just kind of went off of like, here it's like, it's always been kind of more the expectation of di- not not diplomacy, but like a democratic, like you know, the, of the people and everything. And and in Africa, it's been exactly what you said. Like there's been like no no no, like this is how it is. And so it's just it's not that it's so different versus like how it's covered and how it's talked about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because you do you do know a lot of the regime and all that, but then you you know you still find a way to get involved sometimes. And sometimes when I was bringing up the dictatorships, I didn't have a choice. When you're in a dictator, it's just what happens. Cool, cool, cool. That that was, you know, before we transitioned into civilian rule in Nigeria. And so it was interesting for me when I engaged in the conversation here about elections and people say, well, I'm not going to vote. I'm just going to put a round I'm going to put that. I was like, but you can vote. Like, you know, why yeah. would you do that? And so I had to come around to that. And, and that's, um, and, and, and that's, and that's a form of, a privilege where you can use that for power or not. And I often I often like to bring that picture and that juxtapose that with um you know the power of choice. I don't think a lot of people understand that outside of the Western world, the power of choice isn't as freely uh available. So yeah. um and and people just want to be able to have their voices. So my question to you then is why do you feel like in places where freedom sometimes um is you know rampant is more existent than in other countries. Why do you feel like it's hard for people to express their voices? I feel like we're in a time now where you're either a troll or you're politically correct and people can't really say anything in between. They're like, ah, I can't say my opinion because something's going to happen or I'm going to get canceled. 
Oh, you mean like on like on like for in, in general? I think we're now at a place where, uh, and um, this is something I'm. This is why I always promote nuance. Where I find that I I have more candid conversations in private with people one on one, but when they get in places where they can really exercise power, they tone down uh, their message or they just flat out say the opposite thing because they know that um, they would be perceived uh, in a more favorable light. So a lot of people are afraid to voice out their opinions. I mean, you saw that with the elections where people didn't tell you who they voted for, but then you know who they voted for yeah. if you did the math. So I'm just curious as to your opinion, why people now feel like they can't really be themselves in public. Well, I mean, I think I think you kind of hit it. I think there's that, you know, there the the backlash of ever saying putting your foot in your mouth and saying the wrong thing. Like I think about that. I don't even have that, you know, such a huge viewership, but there's times that I I go the extra mile to do as much research as I can to not put my foot in my mouth, you know, and have someone who's going to cuz ultimately someone's going to come back and who has the time to, you know, correct you on social media and, you know, to rip, like rip your argument apart or like to like to like pick at the one thing that you said rather than looking at the whole message. So I think it's I think a lot of it on a public stage, whether it's pundits or comedians or whomever, like, you know, there's there's always the risk that whatever you say is going to be taken the wrong way or, you know, picked apart and it's going to be this like PR nightmare. And I think on an individual level, you know, I think I think this I, I this is specifically with race. What I find is, you know, most white people are terrified of talking about race um, because mm. they're know that they're going to say the wrong thing or they're afraid they're going to say the wrong thing and they're going to be offensive. And for, so for them to be, you know, fully transparent and not that they're not even with like racist thoughts, but the things that they just, you know, their their own buy into stereotypes or their own like even admitting like I don't know how to talk about this or their lack of awareness or knowledge like I just had a girlfriend the other day who you know she had commented what she thought was complimentary on like a co-worker's hair who was black hair and like you know, she'd come in with like braids or done something different and like there was a whole there like there ended up being a whole exchange about like how she approached it and stuff like that and you know but those are the conversations that have to happen right of like you don't know what you don't know and if you Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are too afraid to like engage as a white person, um, then you're just avoiding the topic, right? It's like it's like that story that came out about it was either Goldman Sachs or one of the big banks. That like after all this me too stuff is happening, 
they're just like not engaging with women. They're like just not hiring women as much to avoid any kind of like, it's like, oh, or you could just change your behavior. (laughs) Like you could just learn what the line is rather than not engaging at all. So you're saying that that discomfort is what really discourages people because uh, I'm you're you're uh, a white lady who engages in social politics and you do you did say that sometimes you do think about the putting your foot in your mouth and all that but you still engage uh, so why do you still engage knowing that you could make a mistake because I think I have made mistakes I think um, you know my I mean this as the as the cliche term goes like my best my best friend in the world my soulmate is a black woman who's a mother of two and like is a lot of what we talk about is race and like, she'll be the first one to check me on things. Um, and so I think it's been through the exercise of having said the wrong thing, having had a different opinion that needed to be, I needed to be more educated on and like living to tell about it. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make me a bad person. It just is the ability to say, I didn't know that, or I'm sorry. I didn't know that that was going to be offensive. And like to step back and understand like what the gap was, from where you think you are and what you think, you know, your stances are. And it's not always like a like clear cut race, gender, whatever issue. It's also just a personal issue, right? Like there's some, you know, it's like what people's own boundaries are of what they, and their own, their own experiences are of what triggers them or not. And like, it's just a respect issue that if they, if you, if someone tells you you hurt their feelings, you don't say, no, I didn't. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not up for you to decide. It's it's not about it's about releasing your ego and understanding, and it's not about how you feel at that moment. You know, it's sometimes I think people need to understand that you need to treat people the way they want to be treated, not the mm-hmm. way you want to be treated. Right? That's that that platinum exactly. rule thing. It's um, um, this segues nicely into something that I, I'm really passionate about. I know that you're uh, a fan of entertainment, and you, you understand that it has a great influence on in how we shape culture, see culture. Um, I'm I'm a big cinephile. I'm not I'm not an actor. I know you're you're in, so I didn't quite get your your chops, but but I've always studied actors and actresses like yourself. And a lot one of the things that I do, which is how I found you, sometimes I, I watch press junkets or just things around things that I have fandom for. Huge superhero fan, uh, huge um, representation fan. So two things have happened this year. Um, Brie Larson made a statement uh, earlier in the year or last year about how she didn't notice a lot of um, uh, men, uh, a lot of women rather, and people of color in, in the press junket. And she was talking about how she wanted to change that. And a lot of people saw that as, hey, you're taking a stance that's eliminating half of the audience or a majority of the audience, which are white men. And they felt like she was coming from this problematic point of view. I didn't, but a lot of people did. And it became this big deal. And it was like, we're going to boycott the movie. Um, and, and that was like this big thing that that was actually happening as the promotion was happening as the promotion for the movie was going on and then recently jordan peele came out and said that you know he wants to use his position as someone who now can dictate what type of movie he wants to make to um hire uh black leads and he said he doesn't see himself hiring uh white leads and a lot of people were offended by that as again because they were using the other examples. So I'm curious from your point of view, I wasn't offended by either of those things, but I wanna hear from your point of view, if you were offended and if you weren't, why why not? I, I'm certainly not offended. Uh, cause I think it's, cause what happens is like, that's like the reverse racism argument, right? Or the reverse sexism argument. Like I was listening to something the other day that I guess, I don't, 
Cardi B, I guess, said something about like her manipulating men and taking their money when she was a stripper. There was something that I was listening to a yeah, separate she, podcast. Uh, she used to drug and steal money from. Yeah. So like the, the point was made. Could you imagine if a man said that and like if a male artist said that? Which true. Like if you know as, as we are coming through this, all this R. Kelly stuff, absolutely true. Like what she did was definitely wrong. But there's like there is this weird like underdog power dynamic where we accept that she did that because it's like it's kind of flipping the script. And I think for me, when it comes to any kind of inclusion diversity diversity stuff, like to to always know how to take a step back because of the predominance of what has always been represented. Um, to know that like it's a like just because you don't like so like take me for example. Like I understand that as a white woman, like my voice, my type of voice has always been more heard than women of colors. And so even though I'm trying to make this platform for myself, I understand that like, there's going to be a time where if I get passed over for something in order to give someone else a, a, like a bigger platform, like that's not, you know, that doesn't look like me. Like I get that. And I, and I understand that the time was where in that like, sometimes you have to take a step back for like everyone to take a step forward. And so for me personally, I'm not offended, but I think that is for the people who are, they just, it's so flatlined as far as like, well, if, if, you know, if we said that we weren't going to hire, if someone said they weren't going to hire black people, that would be like, that's racism. And I was like, yeah, but that's, what's been going on for like a very long time. <laughs> right. And so I think it's me personally, no, I'm not offended, but I think that like, it comes back to that of like, the double, like everyone thinking that it's a, like a straightforward double standard when those things are said, that like when you're taking opportunities away from the ma- quote unquote majority, um, that it's as, as the same as when you're taking opportunities away from the minority. Right. And, and I think, so this is what I always like to explain because um, I know Trevor does a good job of doing this. It's, it's understanding the bigger picture of that. So if, if we were to say, you know, the, the argument was, Hey, if a white director said what Jordan Peele said, we would be calling racism. And then, so what I, my response was, well, how does that, how is that different from what the status quo is right now? The status quo is predominantly most films are white, right? Um, growing up, I always, I, I had to learn that, oh, that's an urban movie. That's a mainly Latino movie. That's why we have the first Crazy Rich Asians, first all, all Asian cast. So the norm was always you call a movie with predominantly white people a movie, and then when it was someone yeah. else, you call it, oh, it's, uh, let me put this adjective here. Mm-hmm. And so the norm has always been that. So if a white person said that, it, it would be, it, it's not the same in the sense that it's already the status quo and you're mm-hmm. gonna actively be promoting something that's different. Now, yeah. if you don't like the tone, whatever, that's I, st- I that's a different argument, but the point that either, uh, you know, Brie Larson, that both Brie Larson and, um, Jordan Peele making is that they want to shift the the, the representation and want to actually create more opportunity. It wouldn't, you have to be able to make sure that when you're saying if a white person said that over a man said that it would be different because it doesn't actually hold weight. There's a power dynamic here at play and there's a status quo that we all have to represent. And so at that moment, I find that people sometimes let their feelings uh, get in the way where like, I feel like that person, I heard someone say, I feel like Jordan Peele is saying he doesn't like me as a white person. And I'm like, uh, that, I don't know that that's what he was saying. I'm pretty sure he doesn't know you, so you're thinking. Yeah, <laughs> no, and 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 then, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I think some people sometimes uh, can't get past the fact that they feel offended and they don't look at the big picture. And so they might, 
use, you know, start to tone police you. And it, it gets into this problematic thing where you're, you're telling someone how to tell you <laughs> about a problem that already exists and something that they felt. So, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's where I always try to have people think about things from the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that is a big thing of like the, you know, the people being offended because that comes on both sides, right. Is like, yeah. um, you know, cause I, I think on, on people who tend to agree with you and I, um, we would say like, don't be offended by that. But then when someone missteps, that is, you know, missteps on a, how they're talking about people of color, how they're talking about like the LGBTQ community or something like that, then our, sometimes I would say not our, you and I, but like people's feelings can get really hurt and there's an outcry on that too. So I think, I mean, I think the, uh, the easily offended goes both ways. Um, and people's feelings of how public figures talk about things yeah. um, can definitely go both ways as far as the outcry over like missing the bigger meaning versus the, you know, yeah. how you, it, it personally affects you. Yeah, no, we're in a tricky place, but I, I think I think what you do is important and it's great that you are still having a conversation, you're focusing on that. And the, the fact of the matter is those two examples you brought, people are gonna be uncomfortable we still have to have those conversations. And also, when at least what I like to do is use feedback as an opportunity for growth uh, instead of you know tearing someone down, right? Now, not everybody has my approach <laughs> because some people might be fed up, but I, I certainly hope we get to a place where we understand that the cost of being silent and the cost of not acting is is the is greater than um, than anything else. When we this year of loan, we've seen the unfortunate incidents of Christchurch, of um, the two unfortunate um, suicides that are the results of, of shootings in, in Florida. These things are things that are happening in our in our world right now. The the idea of keeping quiet is not going to solve the problem. So if we don't figure out how to just have the conversation and create spaces for people to feel seen, heard, and understood, or or allow other voices to be heard, you know, it's going to affect us in some shape or form. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, wow. Okay. That was very heavy. <laughs> let's, let's go to the, the, I guess the behind the scenes, how do you become a one woman show? You know, you're, you produce, you write, you create your own, um, uh, web series. What did you do? I mean, someone listening to on the show is thinking, I want to do the same thing. Yeah. You tell that person. Uh, well, I would, I have to say that a big part of it was, um, as silly as it sounds, but a big part of it was by having my boyfriend be like, you can do this. Cause I think that the, the big jump of being like, am I the only, like the imposter syndrome of who's going to listen to what I have to say. And knowing like the first time you start putting stuff out, the only people who are going to watch, watch it are not are people who know you. And like, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm like, you know, who do I think I am that I can, I have I have the right to say these things. So like for me, that was actually the biggest jump of being willing to do it. Uh, and it was really him saying like, you have to, and I'm a perfectionist. Um, so if it wasn't going to be perfect, I didn't want to do it. And he's like, it's not, it's going to suck. Like it's just going to suck at first. So you just have to start. Um, and so it kind of just started like that. It kind of just started with a camera and it started, like I said before, with the angle of trying to find topics that were like actionable, um, trying to keep them short and um trying to throw a few jokes in there and so it kind of it just became me like reading the news like a maniac and anytime you know a subject came up that i was like i think that would make a good 
uh, episode, I'd flag it and I'd, you know, have a, a 75 page doc of backlog of ideas that I want to do. Um, and it kind of is like, you just start. And I, I mean, I know that's like every self-help book out there. It's like, you just have to start. And that was kind of what it was for me and, and let it grow and let it evolve. And so, but as far as like the actual mechanics of it, it's really me with whatever location as I best can find, uh, with a background, um, setting up the camera. I have, I do use a teleprompter. I'm not memorizing my entire script, um, to, to come clean on that. Mm. But yeah, so it's like, I, it takes me probably every, every three to five minute video probably takes me somewhere between 15 to sometimes 30 hours. Um, from beginning to end, because I'll, I, like I said, I research a lot um, of trying to, and then I always write more and then condense it down and try to try to make every word count um, to try to still get it under five minutes as much as I can, um, while still trying to find the balance between information and humor. Um, and then, then I film. Filming is actually probably the easiest part right now, especially when it's just me. And then uh, for the most part, I edit. Sometimes I'll, I'll have a friend edit it for me just because of time um, and because of, there's people who are better editors than I am. Um, but I like the editing part. Like for me, that's also a big creative aspect of it. Of It's taught me a lot about how much editing can alter. Yeah. Like how much it changes, like how much like like the quick cuts or putting in an extra sound effect or there's a lot that like can enhance uh, from what the original performances of like putting in the pictures and everything like that, that can really change what the final outcome is. Um, and then I put it out there. And so uh, I'm trying now this year to take advantage of how many talented people there are in New York um, and doing more collaborative things. So it's like whether right. it's sketches, trying to do more interviews, um, trying to change up the, the format so it's not just me always talking into the camera. Um, I actually have a writing session this afternoon with a couple women. Um, and I love yeah, that. So yeah, so it's, I think that's like, I'm, I'm feel really lucky that I'm still like, while the show I think is gaining traction, I'm still early enough where I can like play with the format and see yeah. what, what works, what resonates, what's, and like have fun with it. No, absolutely. And so for, for yeah, if I'm just going to be able to, uh, listen to what you said or, um, summarize what you said, you said it starts off with the mindset, just the, the belief that your boyfriend had in you, uh, and, and that reminder that, Hey, you know, you don't, you don't have to be perfect, but you have a voice just basically start internally and say, I can do this and I'm going to do this. So once mm -hmm. you have that internal mindset, you then actually turn out to application and you start and you never, ever forgot about the research. You realize that, Hey, I'm going to find my voice as I do this. I know that I care about this. And so in order for me to be the most balanced I can be, I need to read all these documents that led to the 70 plus documents you have. <laughs> it takes 30, 30 hours or so to put a five minute episode. So for those listening, it takes a lot of research as well. Also understanding what you, what it is you like about the things you want to do. Like, you know, you obviously were in the Hassan Minaj uh, thing. And I know that you, from that, I can gather that you, you, you don't just watch it as a viewer, like, like, like um, a lot of people, you you look at the mechanic, you see what he's doing. I, I think um, you and I probably do that same thing. Yeah, where we absolutely. Watch, yeah, we watch like I like I watch a lot of Trevor Noah between the scenes. A lot of a lot of Asam Minaj when he's asking answering questions, and I look at different things. And so doing that, and then leveraging 
your 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 talents and your your audience and collaborating. So who around you can do what and what and putting it out there. I think a lot of people have the ideas in their head, but they don't get to the execution because they have the imposter syndrome that you said, but also they haven't got to the point where they actually believe um, in themselves. And maybe they're focused on the wrong thing. Who's going to listen? Who's going to watch? And I think this early stages are the, the very uh, foundational uh, pieces because then you really know how to develop yourself and your voice so that when the traction comes, you're going to just be so confident in who you are and no one's going to be able to tell you, you should be that person. You say, no, I'm Kristen Bright. This is mm. my voice. This is where I shine the best. And this is how I want to be seen. And uh, that gives you more uh, personal leverage and more confidence. Absolutely. Good summary. Ah, <laughs> well, um, I want to make sure you get to your, to your, to your workshop, but I, I, I want to, um, I guess, see the, the, the floor to you to kind of talk to the young, um, you know, the young, the young women and, and, and the men out there who are trying to find their voice and use their voice to make an impact in the world today. I mean, you have a nonlinear background. A lot of people um, come from backgrounds where they feel like if they don't do what they're told to do, they're failures. Uh, what would you tell that person who wants to use his or her voice right now to, to make an impact? That's a heavy question. <laughs> I, I, I try. No, I, I, try I know. I dig it. I mean, <laughs> I think, I mean, as far as I think there's two points that I, I kind of hear in the question. I think that on one side, it's like trusting your path um, of, you know, if you feel like you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing or you're not as far as you should be, like each experience that you have is going to only add layers to the complexity of what your skill set is, of, of what your story is, of how it prepares you for the next thing and how you start to put the pieces together, especially if you're still in your teens or your 20s. Um, so I think there's that side of it. And then I think it, as far as finding your voice, like I think you actually just have to use your voice, right? Like I think you have to be out there having conversations and having, and like, don't be afraid to be wrong. Um, like as I've been right. Like you, if, if you're, as you're finding it, like it takes missteps and mishaps and, and speaking out and having someone, you know, illuminate you to a different point of view. And like, it, the only way you're not going to find your voice is just by being quiet. And so whether that's, you know, using your talents to entertain, whether that's trying to organize and solve a problem in your own community um, whether it's running for student government, like there's so many different ways to make an impact on when you identify a problem and you want to do something about it. Um, that the, the, the biggest danger is just apathy or insecurity. Um, so you just got to go for it. Absolutely. Well, where can people find you and your work? What are you up to? Yeah, so you can find me at uh, www.belowthefold.co, which is the website, which uh, is where all the videos are posted. Um, you can also follow me on social media at, at Kristen Bry, which is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-B-R-E-Y. Um, and yeah, and YouTube channel is youtube.backslash uh, Kristen Bry. I'll make sure I put all that in the show notes. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming to the show. But before I let you go, the last question is my mission statement framed in the form of a question. Use your difference to make a difference. How do you, Kristen, use your difference to make a difference? Use my difference to make a difference. Um, I think I am, what I've always thought about myself is my difference is, I think uh, 
on the surface, I look a certain way. I think I look like, you know, a tall, athletic, pretty girl, like white girl. And I think people can put me into a bucket uh, by just Mm. looking at me. But I think my superpower comes from being uh, a xenophile and not a xenophobe, uh, but someone who seeks out people who are different than myself and really appreciates differences and, and appreciates putting myself in uncomfortable situations in the, in the spirit of growth. And I think that is unique because I'm not sure a lot of people do that. And I think by using that, it's become my mission of how do you build empathy? How do you build understanding? How do you bridge people from different backgrounds or at least open up the door for them to understand people who are not necessarily like them? Um, because I, I, I appreciate that so much about how I innately am and trying to give that to other people. Yeah. Well, I love that. There you go. There you go. Kristen Bry, using no a difference to make a difference by becoming a xenophile, not a xenophobe. You just taught me a new word there. Uh, <laughs> um, leveraging a curiosity to, uh, to actually um, educate the world and become in a better place. Thank you so Thank much you for coming so much. on the show. This was wonderful. Oh, the pleasure's mine. The pleasure's mine. And ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 